You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I want to ask a question, which is, do I need to static stretch to increase range of motion? And the reason I ask this question is because Adam V asked the question to me. So let me read the email. And I know if any of y'all are on social media and you're following some of this stuff, then you'll see that there are some things in there that don't mesh. There's a lot of attention for anything that pushes back against the standards. And I have to be honest, there are a lot of standards in many cases that need to be pushed back against. There there are evidences for certain things and we just say, well, this must be the only evidence that exists and therefore we push away and never research other potentials because we always have evidence of something else, but what we don't have is any research to create evidence for something else that can work. And that's starting to happen more and more, but it doesn't negate previous research. So let me talk about this for a moment with this email that was sent to me uh, this week. So it says, hey, Rick, I hope you're doing great. Love the podcast. And I have a question for you. I did get my NASM CPT, and now I'm finishing my CES, Corrective Exercise Specialist. Uh, When I assess a client, his hip flexors are crazy stiff, then based on the knowledge I have, I should focus on stretching the hip flexors. Some variations of coach, uh, of the coach, uh, coach stretch, couch stretch. All right. But then I see the internet, people saying, forget stretching your hip flexors. If your hip flexors are stiff, instead, you need to strengthen them. So uh, when when a client cannot even touch his feet while bending down, this is usually a case of tight hamstrings and a low back. Right now you see people saying not to even stretch your hamstrings and instead just strengthen them plus focus on the glutes, which I agree with the glutes part. That's him saying it, but I also do too. So is it true that when the muscle is stiff, it means it's weak? and we should strengthen it instead. It seems like a very basic question, but I need some clarification from someone I trust, Adam V. Adam, thank you for putting your trust in me, so I'm gonna try not to disappoint. Listen, there is truth to this, where sometimes tight muscles are weak muscles, but that's not always the case. Here's the thing. There, there are assessments for that. So I can I can assess a tight muscle and I can compare it to norms charts and say, okay, this is a tight muscle based off of what the expected range of motion is. And then there are strength tests that you can do, manual muscle testing, which isn't done usually by personal trainers. And we cannot necessarily claim this. We can't do it. It's not within the scope of practice for a personal trainer. But let's just say you give somebody an exercise to test whether or not their hip flexors are strong and they're weak and they're tight and they're weak and they're tight. So what should you do? Should you strengthen them? Yes. Should you stretch them? Yes. Wait a minute. Well, why why would I stretch and strengthen? 
my question is, why wouldn't you? And I, I would say that you don't necessarily have to go right into the stretching first. You can do the strengthening. You can see if the strengthening works and it starts to limit um, the, the tightness that's there. So I give a good example a lot of times. Let's go back to the hamstring example. The person said the hamstrings are tight. Well, why are the hamstrings tight? We don't know why things are tight. We got to ask why things are tight. So why are the hamstrings tight? If the hamstrings are tight because they're they're synergistically dominant for underactive glutes, then that is a great case to be made that the hamstrings are doing the glutes job. Therefore, the hamstrings are tight because they're doing more work than needs to be done. So do I need to stretch the hamstrings? I don't know. Maybe the focus should be on the glutes and then see if that takes away some of the hamstring tightness. Um, I also like the example in between the shoulder blades. In between the shoulder blades for a lot of people seems to be really tight and they're protracted at the shoulders. They're internally rotated at the shoulders. And therefore, in between the shoulder blades gets really tight. So they stretch by rounding it into the compensation even more. So should they keep stretching it? No, it's a short-term fix for something that isn't an issue. The feeling of tightness is not necessarily clinical tightness. So the concern here, the question here is, do I strengthen or do I stretch? And the answer is it deep. Pins. But I don't think that in any instance, even if you have tight muscles, that you just don't exercise them. I don't think that you just say, hey, your pecs are tight. Let's not do any chest exercises. However, I do agree that if your pecs are tight and that is leading to some postural dyskinesis, that you still work the pecs while maybe working a little bit more the opposing muscle groups and trying to get some posterior delts, trying to get some retraction in the scapula to help kind of balance out the tightness versus the muscles that are not as strong that would help with the posture. All right. Well, there's a lot of things that are on the line here that we're talking about. And I think what we're really talking about where the the argument is being made is, do I just not have to stretch anymore? And there are some, literally some organizations out there that do research, research organizations, research that publish research that are simply anti-stretch. Doesn't matter about the research. Doesn't matter what the research says. They're, they find other research and they say, look, this works. Now, it does work, in that, and the truth of the matter is we do not necessarily know what the actual mechanism is that increases range of motion. There's some, there are some people out there that say it is um, you don't actually lengthen the muscle. You just kind of get used to the stretch tolerance. You get used to it. You're tight, and then suddenly the nervous system doesn't find it to be tight anymore, and it lets you stretch more. Uh, there's some research out there that actually indicates fascicle length increase. And there's some research that didn't find it. Just because you didn't find it didn't mean the other research didn't show it. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the research right now. And the first thing we're going to look at is a research study that came out. It's a meta-analysis and systematic review uh, by uh, Paniti et al. And it is called the, the 
the title of the, the paper is called Muscle Architecture Adaptations to Static Stretching. And this is the Sports Medicine Open. And this is what it says. Static stretching training induces trivial or nominal increases, but increases nonetheless in fascicle length at rest and small increases in fascicle length during stretching. So the stretching, the fascicles themselves, the muscle fascicles do increase and this is done through static stretching. Now, it also says high but not low stretching volumes and intensities induce longitudinal fascicle growth. So higher intensity stretching, that doesn't mean hurting people, but there are some people out there that say low-level stretching, just stretch until there's tension, not until there's a little bit of intensity to the stretch. Stretch until there's tension doesn't actually seem to show longitudinal growth in fascicles. So the higher intensity, but we'll get to some more research that says not too high, not too low, but just right. Uh, so we'll find we'll find that research. I'll pull it up in just a moment. Fascicle angles remain unaffected by static stretching training. So the actual fascicle angles aren't uh, addressed, but the longitudinal effects of the fascicles are do grow through static stretching, higher volumes, and higher intensities. Now, let's follow up with another study that's come out. It's a long-term static stretching, uh, and it's a, this is a systematic review and a meta-analysis by Takuchi et al. in 2023, uh, Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science and Sports, and it shows this. The results of the meta-analysis showed a moderate decrease in muscle stiffness after three to 12 weeks of static stretching compared to a control group. You mean the people that were stretching for three to 12 weeks showed increase in range of motion over the people that didn't stretch? Yes. So um, what I would like there to be, which I have not seen and I've looked for it, is can we compare people who are doing Romanian deadlifts, stretching their hamstrings through resistance training versus people who are stretching uh, statically and see if there's a you know, one over the other increases range of motion. I'd really like to see that. Now, my preference, what I'd like to see is I would love to just do some RDLs and say, hey, look, my, my hamstrings have increased in length. And so what the argument being made by the people that you're seeing online is that you can just do RDLs. You don't need to statically stretch. And I've not necessarily seen that in the research, but we do see it in application. Do a few RDLs and, you know, try to touch your toes, do some RDLs, and then try to touch your toes again. You're going to get further ranges of motion. So do we need to static stretch? I, I don't know if we need to, but I will say this. Uh, as a, man, I'll say former martial artist, even though I, I train and, and stuff. This is the type of martial arts where I was doing the splits between the chairs. Uh, that did not happen because of all the active and dynamic stretching that I did. The dancers that you see, they don't get to where they are because they're RDLs. And they don't get to that range of motion because 
they actively or dynamically stretch that way. It is a lot of static stretching. Now, we don't know the mechanism that gets you there, but the increase in range of motion tends to come greater through static stretching than it does through simply active or dynamic stretching. Do you need it? No. In fact, I look at static stretching, unless you're a dancer or a martial artist or doing static stretching above and beyond kind of what the standards and the needs are, if you're not doing it specific for a sport or an art, then you may not need that range of motion. Well, what about my people who have tight muscles? Can they do RDLs? Yes. Can they stretch? Yes. Can they get rid of one of them? Maybe. Maybe. And I'm looking for the research that's going to show that a little bit more. Can we compare those two? But the static stretching is a very interesting concept. And uh, Nakamura, at all 2021 comparing of different different stretching intensities and range of motions depending on the stiffness of the muscle what does that relay when it comes to the rectus femoris so specifically one of the hip flexor muscles but certainly a quad and it talks about three different intensities 120 percent 100 percent and 80 percent and they were calculated based on knee flexion and the rate uh in the pre-value of each condition, specifically the 120% intensity condition, the angle of stretching intervention was set to 1.2 times the knee flexion range of motion at pre-value. All right, so three 60-second stretching interventions with a 30-second interval, each intensity were performed, so the 120, the 100, and the 80, and uh, that's how kind of they went into this particular study. Three 60-second stretching interventions with 30 seconds uh, performed at each stretching intensity. They measured knee flexion, uh, range of motion, with shear elastic modulus of the rectus femoris by an ultrasonic shear wave elastograph before and after static stretching intervention. So what did the results show? Showed that knee flexion range of motion was increased after 100% and 120% intensity. So as you push that intensity, more range of motion comes, and this is a 60-second stretch. Now, this is something that results also showed that the elastic portion of the muscle, the rectus femoris, was decreased only after 100% intensity static stretching intervention, not after 100, 120. So what they're showing here is that to prevent quadricep muscle strain, especially in the rectus femoris, that 100, not 120, not 80 intensity could be beneficial in a sports setting application. Now, I'm not looking at it from a sports setting application. I'm looking at it from range of motion. So the range of motion, simply 100 and 120% of intensity, not 80%. I know we're getting in the weeds here. It's a lot of numbers, a lot of uh, scientific jargon being thrown out here. But here's what we're looking at. We're looking at, do I need to static stretch? I think static stretching does help increase range of motion on especially clinically tight muscles. Do you have to do static stretching? No, which is why in the NASM OPT model, by the time you get to the strength portion of the, the OPT model, you do active stretching. And by the time you get to the power portion and sports performance section of the OPT model and sports performance, then it's more dynamic stretching. So what is the purpose of static stretching? 
Well, it is a corrective flexibility intervention. What does that mean? That means if it doesn't need, need corrected, then you don't need to do it. Well, Adam's question is, well, do I even need to do it to correct or can I just strengthen? And this is what I say, Adam. I say that if, if we know static stretching works, then we can include it. Do you have to include it? We, I don't know because I don't see any comparison research that shows here's what uh, an RDL does chronically over time to increase range of motion versus static stretching. But there are three studies right here that show increase in chronic stretching. Two of them are, are systematic reviews and meta-analysis that show that static stretching increases range of motion. So can I statically stretch? In fact, some of them also show muscle hypertrophy that takes place with static stretching at these intensities. So can we statically stretch and increase range of motion? Yes. Do I need to? Uh, here's what I say. That I say that there is an option and an opportunity here. I don't know, again, compared re, uh, resistance-trained stretching versus static stretching. What's out there? And I haven't seen the research, and I would love to just for myself personally to do a deeper dive and to dig into this. Does the muscle need to be strengthened? Maybe. Does it need... Uh, but I, I'd say that if we're looking at a clinical deficit, well, not even clinical. So let's just say you asked specifically about tight hip flexors. So someone has tight hip flexors and you did this based on like a Thomas test position where you tested range of motion. Well, what does that show? That shows hip flexors are tight, which means they are not dropping into hip extension. Well, what can I do? I can work the reciprocal muscle to strengthen the glutes, which is really where that focus is which will help to reciprocally inhibit those hip flexors. So, but do I need to stretch them? I'd say that it would help. In fact, it would help because as I stretch the hip flexors first, then I'm able to go into more hip extension for glute activation. Because none of the things that you see in the corrective exercise continuum is siloed. It's all done together. We're going to do some inhibition. We're going to do some stretching. Then we're going to do some strengthening. And then we're going to do some incorporating global movement patterns and get them to work together. Maybe what you're saying is that, do I have to do all that stuff or can I just go right to the global movement patterns and do some things specifically to strengthen those? Uh, what we know is that when it's done together, it all works. And what we don't know is we don't have a comparison static stretching to resistance training to find out which one is which. So I think what, what the, the social media world is doing is they're saying, look, I can, I can do this anecdotally and show you range of motion increase from doing RDLs by doing hamstring exercises. You could do that with bridges and hip flexor exercises as well. But do we actually get any kind of chronic uh, lengthening? And the question is, well, when you stop stretching, don't you go back to being tight again? 
And I generally say, when you stop resistance training, don't you go back to not being strong again? <laughs> so what is the answer? The answer is whatever you want to continue to progress at. And then once you kind of hit a tipping point to maintain, you kind of still have to keep doing that. Um, so no complete answer, but I think the most complete answer that you can give is we get very siloed and we like to say, look what I found, look what I found when there's a lot of things that work. And what we know is we can take what works and incorporate what works and utilize that for our clients to help them get better at lifting, at strengthening, at focusing on a muscle, at, at movement. And can I help them better their movement? Now, when I find the research, and listen, I'm going to go into it because I only spent uh, about an hour kind of going into this looking specific for static stretching. But do you need to static stretch to increase range of motion? Maybe not necessarily. Does static stretching increase range of motion? Yes, we know it does. But we also know that it once you do it at a little bit higher intensity for more volumes, then you get chronic lengthening of muscles. And the chronic lengthening of muscles needs to happen on the muscles that are short, tight, and overactive. They don't need to happen on the ones that are already lengthened. Therefore, when I see somebody that's protracted at the shoulders and in order to feel better, they kind of flex and round their flex their spine, round their shoulders, and they stretch. And then they go back to their their neutral position, which is still a protracted position, and it feels better for a moment. And that's because they lengthened an already lengthened muscle. And maybe what they need to do is strengthen that muscle. But that muscle is already long. So why would that be static stretched? What would we static stretch in that? Well, the muscles that are the protractors. So, and the ones that are protracting and causing the issue. So serratus anterior is probably not the one that you need to stretch, but the pec minor, pec major, potentially even the lats would be something that would be on docket, stretch, uh, inhibit, stretch, and then we strengthen the opposing muscle, and then we incorporate that opposing muscle into a global movement pattern, we squat to row, get everything involved, and then see if we can address the dyskinesis in that way. A more, um, uh, a more complete incorporation of data when we do the corrective exercise continuum that NASM has proposed. All right, Adam B., thanks for your question. Y'all, thanks for listening. If you made it to the end, appreciate it. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. It really does help out. Leave a review, for goodness sakes. Go back and leave a review. Uh, that's always really helpful for us. And then if you got a bad review, just email me. Don't put it up there for the world to see. I don't like that. I'm just kidding. You can leave whatever review you have. But if you want to email me, you can do that too, rick.richie at nasm.org, or you can DM me on the Instagram at dr.rickrichie. You got questions? Let me know. Y'all keep inspiring people to fitness. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.